Hello, everyone. Welcome to back to the Freedom Talks podcast. Uh, this is Brady uh, with you again, and today we have Gary Shields. Uh, Gary is a physical therapist with Freedom, and uh, he's got a big fitness background, and we want to kind of use that to our advantage. We want to get advice from him. Um, today we're going to talk about programming and how to start a fitness program if you are kind of new to it, correct? Yep. Um Fitness has always been something I've been passionate about, and obviously I moved more into the realm of PT, which is kind of that prescribing exercise for the sake of healthcare. But I think exercise is something that should be a part of everyone's life, and so often as a PT, you run to people asking you questions about what should I do for exercise, what should I do just to stay in shape, and that's kind of the question we're going to answer today. Okay. So Gary, first, I just want to get a little background on you. So um, you're relatively new out of PT school, but what is kind of what brought you to the PT profession and how did you end up at Freedom? Yeah. So overall, what attracted me to PT was the idea of exercise being used as a medicine and that people can be an active part of their own treatment and do things in order to make their own life and body work better for them. And as far as education-wise, I have my undergraduate degree in exercise science. From there, I went on to my doctorate in physical therapy. And that, alongside of the fitness background, I was a American College of Sports Medicine certified personal trainer. A lot of experience with, you name it, kind of people coming in for anywhere from kind of older guys looking to just be moving fine on the golf course to younger athletes and everywhere in between. And that was a fantastic experience. I got to do things like teach Olympic lifting, powerlifting, doing some TRX and group classes. It was, it was a good time to kind of figure out and embrace all different areas of fitness and see what it would be like for each person. Okay. And that's got, I mean, that background's got to be huge for you as a PT. It's, it's great because coming up with different exercises, you just have such a big pool that you can come from and it. Often, for a while, I was just really focusing on learning every type of fitness. Like, I worked at a YMCA for a while. I was taking, like, old, or like, step classes, and I even did some, like, Pilates and yoga just so I know, hey, if somebody comes in when I'm a PT and is talking about, hey, I have this pain during my yoga class, I can know where they're coming from. And, yeah, having, I mean, you see athletes in here, um, but you also see, like, uh, the population that's a little bit older, a little bit more prone to those injuries and things like that, that we normally see, you know, our average age of patient is probably edging into their late forties, early fifties. Mm-hmm. Um, but we definitely do see that whole range from athletes that are, you know, trying to go on to college. And we also have, um, you know, as old as into the nineties. Yeah. So, and I found here while working is that athlete is kind of a relative term. Mm-hmm. Like I've worked with 80 year old women who still want to be actively golfing. I consider that woman still an athlete. Oh yeah. definitely. And I think that's really a great spot for physical therapy to kind of move on with the profession. Um, yeah, that is, that is kind of a big thing. A, a lot of um, physical therapy and healthcare practices are trying to move a little bit into uh 
they're kind of trying to merge into the fitness industry a little bit. And mm-hmm. I think that is a little bit to stay relevant, but it's also, I think, beneficial because um, we need to have an active population and PTs are great for helping people keep moving and doing the things that they love to do. And like you said, keep golfing late into life and doing all those fun things. Yeah, exactly. So let's start with uh, goal setting for uh, fitness programming. Yeah, so oftentimes whenever people ask, what should I be doing for my workouts? First question is, what's your goal? And nine times out of 10, you get the, I don't know, I just want to be in good shape. And unfortunately, the body doesn't always work that way, where you just work out and everything improves. Usually it works best if you focus on just one thing in particular, whether that's gaining strength, losing weight, gaining muscle, having a better golf game, having better improvement. Find your one niche and work on that. Uh, For example, you hear people a lot who want to both gain muscle and lose fat. And hormonally, the body doesn't always work in that way. If you're trying to lose fat, you're more in what's called a catabolic state. So higher levels of cortisol, different hormones that are essentially cutting down the body. And then if you're working to gain muscle, you're in an anabolic state, higher growth hormone, testosterone, things that help you put on more of the mass. And it's essentially just physiological opposites. And it doesn't always work well if you're trying to do all things at once. Yeah. And I think the important thing that at least I've seen is goals can also be more than just, uh, do I want to lose weight or do I want to gain muscle? It can Mm -hmm. be, I want to improve my golf game. Yeah. I want to be a better men's league hockey player. I want to, I want to be better at soccer, you know, all of those things. And those I think are fun goals to work towards because a, you're getting better at something that you really like. Mm hmm. But in the meantime, you're also becoming more physically active. You're becoming more of a physical specimen training towards those goals. Um, so one thing I do want to kind of start with, how, what are the time periods that you should really be looking for for goal setting? Ideally, I mean, you want to give a good amount of time in between reevaluating your goals. I I like to have goals set very specifically in the beginning. Um, you hear about smart goals all the time where people are specific and me- measurable, attainable goals, figuring out, I want to be able to do this. This is how I'm going to measure that I gained that ability. And this is the amount of time in which I want to gain that ability. Um, oftentimes there's kind of fixed time periods in which you can determine those based off of an off season or whatnot. In general, I'd say every month for the normal person who's just kind of working out on their own is a good idea to just keep checking in on their goals, but you can even do longer term into a year plus. Yeah. And I think that's uh, that's really good advice in terms of um, having, having your goals for, I think it's fun to set goals for your body that aren't just losing, gaining weight. Maybe you're really motivated yeah. that by that, but I've also found it's not always the best thing to set um, for the average person because, mm-hmm. quite frankly, it's it's more fun if you're trying to accomplish something other than just a number on a scale. Yeah, and the one thing I would say is make it something measurable. If Because 
the gaining strength and gaining weight are usually people's go-tos because it's very measurable. You step sure. on the scale yep. and it's less. That's a good And point. that's fantastic and great, but it doesn't always work that way. It's, if it's more measurable as in, hey, I'm going through eight holes of golf before my back starts hurting. And by a month, I want to go through 10 or 12 before it starts hurting. That's still measurable, but it's more based off of your lifestyle. And you can really look back on that and see the improvement. Um, so you had you had mentioned the catabolic versus anabolic states. Um, and then I want to ask you about when you're working towards, you know, fat loss or gaining muscle. Um, say we're, we're lifting weights, we're in a gym, we're doing resistance training. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the sort of rep ranges? Um, like, you know, that there are power lifters who, you know, they're working towards a one rep max yeah. and they want to lift the most weight at once. And that's their measurable goal. I want to PR, I want to get a personal record for how much weight I can lift in uh, the squat, deadlift and bench, right? Mm-hmm. So, their goals and their programming is going to be much different than, say, a marathon runner whose goal is to run as fast as possible but for a long distance. Um, So kind of explain to me how um, you would vary your training based on your goals. Yeah, so there are certain... The wording for it is more rep ranges. And the ACSM has certain recommendations based off of your goals in general, your body just physiologically gets a different reaction for the amount of reps you have. So if you're doing more close to one to five reps, it's primarily you're focusing on strength. More of what you said, Brady, that power lifter, the guy who wants to lift the most amount of weight and doesn't really care if he can do it forever, doesn't care if he gains as much muscle, he just wants to be strong as an ox. And that's more of that one to five rep range. Then if you get more into the six to 12 rep range, our buzzword for that is more hypertrophy. So that's the amount where you're really gaining muscle, you're causing more of those micro traumas within the muscle, you're getting the acidic pH, and you're putting the entire muscle in an environment in which it wants to grow. And oftentimes people have the mistake of they think that, hey, if I'm just pounding out a ton of weight, I'm going to have the muscle growth. But if they're only doing three, four reps, they're still focusing more on strength, which is overall more of a neurological adaptation. You're having the brain recruit more of these muscle units, more muscles properly in order to have that weight go up versus actual growth in the muscle. And then the final rep range is more of that 12 plus reps. And that's more for the muscular endurance. You want to be able to do something pretty often for a lot of repetitions and you want to be able to do it well. And now for the endurance, that's you won't gain as much of the muscle mass because you're not having enough load on the tissues in which they need to gain muscle. In fact, you're actually telling the tissues that you want to have smaller muscle mass because it's more energy efficient. Um, I always mention it's kind of the idea of how many marathon runners do you see that look like Arnold Schwarzenegger? Like There's none because it's not efficient for them to have very large energy consuming muscles. They need to have more of the leaner kind of look. And those are overall the general rep ranges. So if somebody is coming to me and they're saying, hey, I just want to get really strong, I'd have them do more of their lower reps. Whether it's with the lifting, a lot of people think, oh, it's a power lifter automatically. But that could be, say, an 80-year-old woman who wants to get strong enough that she can get out of a chair without using her arms. I have her doing a set of three chair squats. And for her, that's a three-rep max. And 
And then even further, if somebody's really trying to gain more muscle mass in an underdeveloped lower trap because they have neck pain, I have them do sets of 10 to 12 reps with rows working on that low trap to help gain more muscle on the otherwise underdeveloped musculature. Yeah, and that that last kind of bit that you did I think is great because we want to relate what you're programming into your workouts in terms of rep ranges and amount of sets uh, that you're doing for specific exercises that you have to do that to fit what your goals are going to be. Mm-hmm. So like you said, you know, goals are extremely individual. People want to do different things. People need to be doing different things. Um, it might be a lifestyle thing. It might just be a, a goal that you want to hit. But if you're not programming your reps and sets correctly, you're probably not going to get the desired result, or at least you're not going to optimize your training towards your goals. And I think that's why we kind of wanted to include the little bit of education on reps and sets and and what those look like. Plus also just a few kind of myths that tend to be around with people are the idea of if you do a heavy weight, you're going to suddenly just get over muscle mass. I hear a lot of people say that, they aren't doing very heavy weights because they're worried because they don't want to look all bulky. And it takes a lot more than lifting up one heavy weight, doing a set of bicep curls to suddenly look bulky. Yeah. We're not, yeah, we're not necessarily getting into, you know, there's a lot that goes into um, creating a plan for yourself to, to get where you want to be. But I, it, it, the biggest thing with gaining uh, or losing muscle is, Yes, you have to be training well, but a lot a lot of it's nutrition, and we're not mm-hmm. focusing a lot on that today. But, yeah, the, those guys that get big and bulky, the, those guys are eating a lot of food every day, uh, normally a lot of healthy foods, but mm-hmm. a lot of food nonetheless. Yeah, so that's why if your physical therapist, personal trainer, or whatnot has you doing a heavy weight, it's to help you with that strength. And it doesn't mean he's trying to get you bulky or anything. He's trying to get you stronger and working within what's improvement for you. So... I just have so many people who say that, hey, I don't like doing any less than 20 reps for some exercise because I'm worried I'm going to gain too much muscle and <laughs> I have to keep myself from laughing with it because you're not going to suddenly look like Schwarzenegger if you do a 10 rep set. Yeah, people don't realize. He, I mean, he was in the gym for long periods during the day. Oh, yeah. His nutrition was on point for what he was trying to do and, and he was purposely trying to look like that you know, as, as big as possible and, and as lean as possible. Um, and that takes a little bit more than just going in and doing a few reps of heavy weights. Mm-hmm. The other common misconception is the idea of if you do a lot of reps, really burn out the muscle, that you're promoting more of that muscle growth. And now there is a place for that, for that fatigue and going into full exertion. But if you're, say, doing bicep curls, for 30 reps with a five pounder, you would not nearly gain as much bicep musculature as you would with eight reps with a 40 plus pound weight. And just because you feel like getting exhausted doesn't necessarily mean it's going to contribute to a lot of muscle growth. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, So we kind of got a little specific there. So let's kind of look at this through someone who doesn't necessarily... Uh, have the fitness background or hasn't done a lot of research yet. So um, what we want to do is uh, let's start with if, if you're completely untrained, 
how many days a week um, should you exercise? So that offers a lot of flexibility. And it, I mean, it, we'll keep going back to this, but it goes largely back to your goals and also your general consistency and what works well with your schedule. I tell a lot of my patients, the name of the game is consistency and any schedule that you're consistent is better than a schedule where you're inconsistent. And some general recommendations that ACSM provides more specifically, five days a week for 30 minutes at moderate intensity exercise or three days a week for 20 minutes of vigorous intensity exercise. Now, what they mean by moderate intensity for the five days a week would be walking. So that's kind of the bare minimum of five days a week, 30 minutes of walking worth of exercise. Or the vigorous intensity being jogging, more along those lines. So that's what they, the American College of Sports Medicine considers a minimum to maintain health. You should be at least walking 30 minutes a day. You should be at least jogging three times a week, 20 minutes, one or the other. And then anybody who's looking beyond just the simple, I want to just maintain bare minimum health, that's where you get into more of the complexity. And you can do different things like, as far as to least start out, um, overall, you want to avoid that kind of uh, overtraining. So part of that is learning to program in rest properly. In general, for when you're working a muscle group, you want about 48 hours rest before you work it again. So say you're working legs one day and you're doing a lot of leg exercises, whatever that may be, wait at least 48 hours before you really work the leg exercises again. And another general rule of thumb is if you have more than three or four days rest, you can have a little bit of a detraining property where you start to lose a bit of what you gained over the week and that's kind of the cutoff and amount of rest time in between workouts. So with those in mind, there are a few ways that people like to do the programming. One is focusing on full body lifting. The other is more of focusing on different muscle groups. So with the full body lifting, it's a little bit advantageous because you don't have to do it as often. You have to wait 48 hours for the body to recuperate so you wouldn't be working out every day. The split routine... You be working out more often, but when you do it, you can really spend a lot of time on those choice muscles. And that's where it's largely up to you. If you feel like you can only work out three days a week, full body routine is probably for you. If you feel like they're like, hey, I want to be at the gym five days a week. I really want to hit it. Split routine might be more of your thing. So before we get too far um, into uh, this, we want to explain. So... We're going to take a look at this. Let's let's say you have some resistance training. So you've got dumbbells. You've mm-hmm. got, you know, maybe a bench press. You're able to squat. You're able to deadlift. Um, you've got a, a pretty full um, range of tools at your disposal. So we're, we're talking maybe going into a commercial gym, yeah. um, maybe a gym at a high school, whatever you're going to choose. So... A split routine, explain to me exactly what that entails. So there's many variations. I'll, I'll kind of touch on more of the simplest one. Uh, more of the layman's terms is a push-pull routine. So you have one day, we do a bunch of ex- exercises that involve pushing. The other day, a bunch of exercises that involve pulling. And that's a nice layman's terms kind of way of using anterior chain musculature versus posterior chain. 
So that way you're focusing, say, on your push day, a ton on shoulder press, bench press, things where you're pressing a ton, doing a lot of shoulders, a lot of pec, tricep, the muscles really involved with pushing. And then the opposite day, you're doing a pull routine, working lats, working your upper back musculature, working your low back with some deadlifts maybe, working the other side of the body to help balance it. And so the benefit of this kind of routine is more of the, for lack of a better word, sort of bodybuilder mentality of you can put in a lot of time for each muscle because you have a whole workout dedicated to that area. But like I mentioned earlier, this is more of a routine for those who are really like, hey, I enjoy going to the gym. I want to go five or so days a week. Not as much for those who are like, hey, I only have time for a couple days. Yeah, so... um I think there's, you know, the, that, that's a good point. So um, at least my experience with push-pull routines, I, th- I think you can also kind of incorporate that into um, a full-body routine schedule as well. Right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, so like uh, say you're working out two to three days a week and that you're saying that's all I have time to lift for, mm-hmm. right? So um, I feel like a good way to, if you're doing a full-body routine is um, I'm – you know, one of the days you want to hit some kind of squat or something that's going to hit your uh, your anterior chain muscles in terms of uh, quads, uh, a lot of knee flexion involved, mm-hmm. and then you you can put in um, a, a push like a bench press, um, and then a pull like a, a barbell row or rows in general, and then you can kind of have a few accessory exercises depending on the time that you have. Um, and then the, you know, two days from then, or like you said, waiting 48 hours and then doing a, um, something that's a more of a hip hinge. So that would be your deadlift. Um, maybe your, um, something along those lines and then also doing the push pull with the upper body again and focusing on those compound lifts to get, you know, those things in. Yeah, and that kind of leads towards the sort of prescribed exercise for a full body routine. Kind of like you're saying where in your whole day, you include both elements of the push and the pull. And you focus a lot, just like Brady just mentioned now, on the compound lifts. And by that, we mean the lifts that use the most amount of, mus- uh, most amount of muscles. So squat, you're using a lot of muscles with the squat. Deadlift, you're using a lot. Bench, you're using almost the whole upper body those kind of lifts are the ones you'd want to focus on because one, they're efficient. You get a lot of muscles worked within a short period of time. And two, you're covering basically all your bases for the areas. You're getting every area kind of worked on both anterior chain and posterior chain enough to help ensure you don't have any of the common muscular imbalances. Yeah. And so, but based, so, so I guess getting back to the difference between the full body and the split mm-hmm. um, programming, it, it feels like, at least from my understanding, that the split routines is going to allow you to, A, get those compound lifts in, because I think those are essential. Mm-hmm. You know, you would say that would be essential oh, no matter absolutely. how many, uh, no matter uh, how you're programming them in, we need to hit those compound lifts because, like you said, we're using more muscles, it's going to A, make you healthier, get more joints moving at one time, yeah, um, and promote more hypertrophy uh, throughout the whole body. Um, 
but the split routine might allow you to work in more of what you'd call an isolation exercise. So Mm -hmm. those are like your bicep curls, your tricep extensions. You're only moving one joint at a time. Um, But if you really want to do those exercises, you might be better off programming it into a split routine rather than focusing on those things during a full body uh, split um, if you have less time. Yeah, because it's a little you get a little bit more time with the split routine so you can do those isolations like if you really want to just work your shoulders a ton and you're like hey i want that to really improve you can do that in a push day have a lot more time versus a full body day if you've done bench squat deadlift rows you're pretty taxed after that because you've just worked a ton and you've just had a probably a pretty long workout and at just that had point. a very long workout at that point yeah and the chances of you really spending another 15 20 minutes to burn out your biceps are one you'll probably be too fatigued for it and then two you probably won't have enough time for it all right so i i think we have a good understanding of what the difference between how we're going to choose you know it, a lot of it is time based and how often you want to be in the gym mm-hmm. and that's correct right yeah um so I guess if you're looking at this from a newcomer, you kind of have to, at part of your goal setting, you got to decide how am I going to be consistent? How many days can I realistically put into my workout mm-hmm. workouts and be consistent every week? Um, and from there I can choose, okay, do I want to choose a full body program or do I want to choose a split program? Yeah. All right. <clears throat> so from there, we kind of want to touch a little bit on um, pain and kind of working around injuries. Should you work around injuries? When should you see someone? When should you seek advice? Um, so let's just start with, we see a lot of patients, uh, that have chronic pain issues and for them, it's sometimes difficult to get, find the motivation to kind of deal with that Mm -hmm. and still have a productive exercise routine. So what advice would you have for them? The first one is the idea of don't stop exercising, don't stop moving. There's so many people that I've seen who've had back pain for years and years. So in order to avoid the back pain, they stop moving their back. And then they notice over the years, they've gone from being able to move their back pretty well, but with pain to not being able to really move it much at all and then still having the pain. So it's a... Use it or lose it is usually the term people throw out there, but you don't want to get into that cycle of I'm hurting, so I'm not going to move because movement causes pain. It doesn't always necessarily work that way. Now, with this, there's a little bit of care, and often that's where you are best off talking to a PT because they can really guide you on what movements are good, what might be too much, might might be too little. But with all that in mind, know that movement, the body thrives under it. The body thrives under loading. Like you need to still be exercising. And to have it get in that mindset of blaming the exercise or blaming the movement for causing your pain isn't always the best thing for you long term. And I think the great part about you guys being PTs and things like that, I mean, you like we, we went over all of your, your qualifications beforehand. You're, you know, you're really good at teaching everything from using a TRX, which is a suspension system that can make things like the squat a little bit easier, add mm-hmm. assistance to the squat. You're still able to program those compound movements into some, somebody that has chronic pain. It doesn't mean that 
you know, instead of not squatting at all, it's better to do it with a little assistance. You don't necessarily have to load the, you know, a, a barbell up and put a lot of weight on your back for you to program those exercises in and gain the benefits that those exercises have and those movements have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to provide an example, I was seeing one individual who was avoiding squatting. She didn't feel comfortable with it because of her knee discomfort. And I was discussing with her, hey, instead of just not squatting at all, how about we do a progression? So I had her just doing wall squats, something I'd consider a mid to low level kind of thing that can lead to squatting over time. And that way she can still work her knee, but she's not exasperating it. And that's something that's really beneficial for seeing a PT. They can still help you exercise and build up to where you want to be without sparking as much pain or at least having, if you have pain, knowing that you're not causing any significant damage. Yeah, and so you might find the great thing about having so much information available online is that you don't have to necessarily pay for a program you can kind of piece together enough information to get an effective program for yourself Mm -hmm. without paying for much that being said um, you might find a program online that you could do if you had the proper exercise adaptions or adaptations um, in terms of being able to work around some of the issues you might be having so like I said you know and like you said uh, you might have a squat Uh, programmed in but you maybe doing a barbell squat isn't correct for you maybe you should be using a kettlebell instead yeah maybe you should be doing a chair squat there's so many different versions of an exercise that you can still include and do in those programs Um, you just have to have the right knowledge to do that and that might be um, like you said seeing a PT to to bring them that program and say hey I don't feel comfortable doing this Um, how can I do it comfortably and working around anything that I may have? Yeah, absolutely. Um, To give another example, I had an individual with more of upper trap, so kind of into the neck discomfort, and he was feeling that a lot while working out doing side raises with a dumbbell. And strong guy, great shape, but he was really having some neck discomfort. So just a simple adaptation of instead of him doing it straight to the side, working more in the scapular plane, led to far less symptoms, helped with resolution of symptoms. He could still work his shoulder without having to worry about causing the neck symptoms. And that's the kind of stuff that the PT can offer you, the adaptations to your workout, and then also adding in things more for muscular imbalances. Uh, One of the most common ones that you run into at the gym are people who are more front anterior heavy with the exercise. Like Brady mentioned, you can get a lot of routines, but often that's one of the pitfalls of them is that they tend to be a little too anterior heavy. And that's where PT can come and give you suggestions more in posterior chains so that you have better shoulder health, better back health, and make sure that the routine you're doing is perfectly balanced so that you cover all areas well. So I just want to break that down a little bit. So when you say anterior-based, what, what kind of exercises are they including and what, uh, you know, if they're not including the posterior chain enough, what exercises may they not be including in that exercise program? Yeah, so by anterior, I mean front of the body. By posterior, the back part of the body. And so the anterior or front kind of body exercises are... I mean, the cliche of that guy who goes in every day and does bench press. 
Sure. They uh, always wanting to do kind of those glory muscles up front that everyone's seeing, but not working on, say, their lower traps and doing the lat pull downs in the correct form. So that way their shoulders look really far forward. Um, it's pretty common in a multitude of sports. You see it a lot in swimmers, actually, because they're doing the freestyle, a whole lot of front shoulder, and it's part of the nature of the sport. And they end up with a little bit of impingement issues, more of that front shoulder pain. And we do in PT a lot of working that back muscles, getting those shoulders farther back, both posturally as well as strength-wise. And you can see a pretty good result just on making sure that balance is present. Yeah. Um, and that's, again, PTs are awesome because they have this knowledge and, and they can make sure that you're going to stay healthy as well as look really good if you're, you know, in the gym really hitting it hard. Um, so let's get into a little bit of, you know, maybe you don't have chronic pain, um, but we do want to stay healthy, like you said. So how are we going to avoid uh, injury at the gym um, and, and to sub- so that you can continue uh, working towards your goals. Because if, if you have a major injury, that's really going to set you back. Yeah, and part of that is kind of listening to your body. If something is feeling uncomfortable or something is feeling like you're overworking it, it's a little bit of the keep it simple, stupid kind of method. Listen to your body, give yourself a break, and then being careful with your progression. Now, I don't want people to be afraid of adding more weight. Very often, you have people who get come even into PT or personal training and you advance their weight and they have that little bit of anxiety coming in of, is this going to do something bad? Is this going to hurt my body? The body thrives under progressing loads. So by increasing the weight, the body thrives under that and it does well constantly challenging itself. But you want to be wise with how you do it. You don't show up one day and squat a certain amount and then the next day you come into squat, just add 20 pounds. You want to have it be gradual. I've seen, I mean, the professionals can even go up one and a quarter pound every week. So really gradual. Oftentimes the general rule of thumb is no more than a five pound increase in something and wait till you can fully do the reps. A lot of times for the people who I see in here who are a little bit more wary, kind of used to that chronic pain, I'd say that if they're exercising, doing either PT exercises or their own, wait until you can do the exercise successfully for two weeks. And then after that, progress it forward. And that gives you more than enough time to know that you can confidently handle that load and then give your body that progression that it thrives under. Yeah, that's great advice. So now that we've gone through, um, you know, given some general advice on staying uh, injury-free, when and how, um, when, when are physical therapists great to consult um, when starting a, a routine? Yeah, overall, it's, I think you could really, anybody could benefit from talking with a PT before moving on with their routine. I mean, personal trainers are fantastic. So There's some very talented personal trainers out there, but a physical therapist is a doctorate degree versus personal training at minimum, you need a GED and then the continuing education to receive the national certification. So they're, they're knowledgeable, and many of them are fantastic. But to have that doctorate education, you get a step above, and you get a lot more biomechanical analysis and really looking through to make sure you're on the right track with things. And also, I, you mentioned the money-wise with it all. 
people drop a lot of money on personal trainers, different fitness equipment. I mean, if you listened here, think of how much money you've spent on things like Fitbits, new jogging shoes, different gym clothes, different equipment like foam rollers, dumbbells, all the random things they have on the market. When they, you compare that price to the price of a self-pay physical therapy visit, it's really not that different. I mean, people drop a lot of money on personal trainers who, like I mentioned, they can be fantastic, but they're GED-level education quite often. And why not spend, say, 50 bucks more on making sure you're seeing somebody who's incredibly qualified, really knowledgeable, and, no, and can help you get a good routine versus spending that 50 bucks on a nice new pair of Nike shoes that you're just going to put back on the shelf when you give up on your routine. That's right. Yeah. You get injured and all of a sudden you can't use all that fancy equipment. Right. So, uh, that, that's a good point. And, um, again, physical therapists, like you said, the education is crazy. They, you, they, you have to have your college degree. And then once you have your undergrad degree, you have to go to grad school. That's three more years. It's incredibly focused on the anatomy and everything that could possibly go wrong with the human body and how to kind of rectify those issues. And so they're a great resource um, to use to help create your fitness program to make sure that you're going to get the most benefit out of it um, as compared to, you know, like you said, physical trainers, great, or physical, um, sorry, personal trainers are awesome. Uh, they can help you stay on track. They can help you keep you accountable, but they just don't have all of that training that a physical therapist does. And I don't think you're going to hear a lot of arguments otherwise. Yeah. And especially if you have other health factors in mind, like if you're an older person with osteoporosis, if you have any heart issues, high blood pressure, diabetes, these are things that a personal trainer doesn't necessarily cover in their education. Like their education covers really, really well if you're a young, active, healthy person who wants to just get in better shape. And even then, things can come up that are a little bit out of their scope of practice. And that's where you can have better tailored and safer kind of advice if you've seen a PT beforehand. So at the end here, uh, I just want to let's let's go over a few um, exercises that you really like and and choices that you can make to include in your routines um, and help you kind of choose how you want to make your routine. So let's start with cardio. Um, with cardio, a how many times a week should you be doing it, depending on your goals, um, and how should you be choosing to do that? So there's a lot of debate within just the fitness realm about different types of cardio, how often you should do it, the effectiveness of it. There's, I mean, like Brady said, it, meant, it depends a lot on your goals, but the one you'll be seeing a lot if you're just Googling different cardio is the debate between long duration and interval training. So I'll give you a little bit of breakdown on what both, those both are. So long duration is your idea of jogging, like things that you're doing at a short, smaller intensity, but for a long amount of time. Interval training is this idea of you do a very high intensity for a short amount of time, followed by low intensity, and cycle through that repeatedly. So overall, long duration, low intensity, 
that jogging type, you tend to be working out a little bit longer and it's not as immediately strenuous, but it's also not as efficient. You're not necessarily burning as much within the same amount of time as you would an interval. Um, to give you an example, say if you're doing sprints for a minute followed by a minute rest for 15 minutes, you're really huffing and puffing, you're really moving, you're burning a ton of calories, takes about 15 minutes. It would probably take off of a rough estimate about a half hour of just normal jogging to get the same kind of benefit. And that's where people get into a little bit of debate. Some people really ascribe to the long duration because that ideally in that exact time period burns more calories. But the interval, they, they claim more of this idea of, of epoch, so ex- excess post-exercise oxygen consumption. And that's basically saying that after you exercise, your metabolism is heightened, you're burning more calories, and so overall in the long term, you're burning more. There's a ton of debate on it. Frankly, in my own opinion, whatever one you enjoy the most, go for it. Yeah, as long as you're getting it in. As long as you're getting in cardio, like if you enjoy doing 15 minutes, just really working yourself, going between rest and all out, awesome. If you really enjoy just going on a light jog for, for an hour, 45 minutes, whatever, awesome. Do what works best for you. Do whatever you can do consistently. They're both great. Cardio's great for anyone, no matter what you do. But you can get overloaded with information if you look into those particulars. I think one thing to look at, too, is... Um what are, again, it goes back to your goals. It's all about what your goals are. It's specific to each individual person. If you're, you know, 60 years old, you want to be slamming, you know, ropes or a kettlebell around yeah, for exactly. 15 minutes. Like, no, that's probably too much for your joints. So mm-hmm. walk for 45 minutes. Um, so that's that's kind of at least how I see it. I, I th- I don't, I assume that's kind of how you see it too. Like you got, you got to do what, what's right for you. And you just, like you said, see a physical therapist, they can help you find that out and give you advice and say like, Hey, maybe this isn't the best idea or Hey, yeah, go for it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I totally agree with Brady on that idea of you don't, if you're older or you're in a rougher health situation, you don't want to be necessarily at 90% of your best uh, for an interval all the time. But with that in mind, you can still take advantage of that kind of training sometimes if it works better for you. You just would adapt it to kind of your own condition. Like yep. say you got the like classic elderly elderly woman wanting to exercise. She only wants to do a short amount of time. And you could use interval training in the way of say she walks at a brisk pr- pace for a minute then walks at a slow pace for a minute yep. and kind of adapt it to yourself. So you can still use it, but not necessarily in the traditional sense. Yeah, there's there's adaptability. There's ways to do things. If you really want to try things out, um, you just have to have the knowledge to do that. And yeah, you'll see this overall with all these choices. It's weighing your options between how much time you really want to spend w- within the gym. So if you want to spend the least amount of time getting cardio and lifting, Full body and interval are really time efficient. If you want to be spending more time in the gym, split routine and long duration are more time and can be beneficial because of that. So the time issue comes into it a lot too. Yep. Um, so we we 
touched on isolation versus compound exercises, the isolation being you're moving one joint pretty much at a time, um, focusing on a certain part of the body for whatever lift you're doing. And then we said those compound lifts, you're moving more than one joint uh, at a time and you're, you know, going for multiple muscle groups all at once. Um, So how does that relate to, you know, you see a lot of equipment at gyms. Um, Mm -hmm. You see a lot of machines, um, but then you also have the background of, uh, Olympic lifting and teaching powerlifting, those are very compound-based moves, and a lot of those are done with free weights. Yeah. Um, so when would you, you know, when would you recommend using machines versus free weights? Do you have a strong preference towards one or the other? Yeah, it, it depends a lot on the person. Now, if you have a young guy who's athletic and looking to get in shape, I would definitely gear him towards do everything with a barbell. Um, but that's my own preference of you can really stack on the weight. You can do a lot of that power lifting. You get a lot more bang for your buck with it. You're using a lot of muscles within a shorter period of time. You're getting a lot of strength, a lot of weight that you're pushing around. Um, the machines, they have their place. I think that free weight is more effective, but machines are more user-friendly. Like if I have a lady who's 65, never picked up a weight in her life, there's no way I'm going to have her just swing around a clean and jerk with a barbell. <laughs> like I'm going to have her go to the machines, do leg extensions. It's really easy. You move your leg up and down. You're, you're working your thighs. Awesome. And I think that's the benefit of machines. And then going more into the isolation versus compound, again, they both have their place. Compound, I think, overall is the greater priority. I believe you mentioned that, too, of the idea of you're using a lot of muscles. It's a really efficient use of your time, and it's really necessary for strengthening. Isolation is good if you're going for more of the, uh, I mean, I like to say sometimes kind of the glory muscle sort of look. Like, the bodybuilders do a lot of isolation. Um, With that being said, they also spend two-plus hours in the gym really burning it out. a lot of time. Now, it can be good if you're, say, say if you're more of a normal, normal individual. If you have one area you know is just really darn weak and it's holding you back from a lot of things, you can isolate that area and work that hard. Um, from the PT front, I see a lot of individuals with weak hip abductors, that side hip muscle. I isolate that in, not working anything else, and just strengthen the heck out of that so that they're not using, say, the stronger hip flexors to compensate for it. So I think there, for a normal individual, it has a place. And then also for more of the kind of glory lifting side of if you really just want to have great triceps or whatever, go crazy on tricep extensions all day, and it can definitely help you out. But if you're somebody who's really wanting the best bang for your buck, doing the compound lifts, and by that I mean just as a reminder, like the squats, the deadlifts, the using a lot of muscle kind of exercise. Yeah, and like, you know, People always think like, yeah, I want big triceps. I got to do tricep extensions. Well, you can vary your bench press by bringing your grip in a little bit tighter. Mm-hmm. Hit the triceps more during that lift, but still gain the benefits of working, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, more of your body. Yeah, exactly. And people forget that they're working all these different body parts. Like, let's use bre- bench press for example. 
you're using your pecs, you're using your anterior deltoids, you're using your triceps for that last extension. Oftentimes, people are in a position of a shoulder retraction, so that's getting a little bit of the upper back as well. Um, you got some of the intense power lifters who are straight up planting their feet hard in the floor. Yep. Um, a lot of back arch. A lot of back arch. <laughs> I mean, some of them can have it be practically a full body workout, but overall, it's a lot of that front muscles. You're working a lot of areas, so people saying, oh, I did bench, I haven't worked my triceps yet. Yes, you have. You did tricep extension at the end of your bench press. Yep. All right. Is there uh, any parting words that you would have for um, for us today in terms of creating a program? And I mean, we, we went over all the basics, but if, if you have any drive home points, do you have anything? Overall, just everyone needs to find something that works for them. Like if it works for you and it's keeping you healthy, then it's the best choice. And sometimes you just need to get started. If you're feeling uncomfortable with getting started on your own, ask for help. You have PTs, you have knowledgeable friends, personal trainers, you have resources available to you so that you're not entirely on your own. Frankly, everyone should be involved in some sort of exercise routine. And going back to what we were saying earlier, just that walking 30 minutes a day is very much a minimum. And there's so many people within the U.S. that aren't even coming close to that minimum. I think a lot of health issues can just be kind of taken out of the equation if you just start working on the exercise yep there's something for you out there it's just a matter of having the knowledge and uh, getting the the right help to do so that's awesome all right uh well thanks for coming on it was fun talking with you and um hope you have a great day This podcast is brought to you by Freedom Physical Therapy Services, providing exceptional one-to-one hands-on care to the greater Milwaukee area for over 25 years. Our physical and occupational therapists prepare custom plans for your condition to relieve pain and improve performance. Allow us to help you enjoy more freedom at freedompt.com.